o'clock. It's World Social Injustice Day today, Steve. Uh, goodness, and, and there's very many of them, if Absolutely. I may say so. I mean, human rights violations by the uh, many, including that last record you played. And enough about Radio <laughs> 3, let's talk about the world. We're not going to get the brand new building, but how about a chair, a chair? Oh, that doesn't come squeak? On, come on, you're, <laughs> you're aiming too high. What's going on there? Uh, well, I'm, I'm worried about Cyril. Um, our chief executive. Nice one, Cyril. I've got to find nice that. Do you remember that? Song? I do. I'm worried about Cyril, our chief executive, C.Y. Lung, who, who seems to suffer from the most appalling memory lapse. He's now saying, I don't know where anyone got the idea that we were asking for an apology from the president of the Philippines. Um, this has never been stated. I'm thinking, gosh. Oh, golly, that must be never been stated except for the hundred times it was stated as recently as, say, a week ago. Well, this is news to me. Fill me in. Well, he's saying, no, 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 no. Everybody's got it wrong. I don't know how anybody got the idea. <laughs> yes, Minister. We, we, yes, I couldn't possibly comment. Well, Sir Humphrey. <laughs> well, Sir Humphrey, what do you think? Um, uh, um, you're, so Cyril is now saying, no, 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 no. I don't know how anybody got the idea. We were asking for an apology from the President of the Philippines over this terrible incident in which Hong Kong tourists were killed by a, a, a former policeman. He said, no, no, now... Uh, and remember, we've now said that, you know, firm sanctions are going to be imposed on the Philippines because they haven't apologised and there's still a black travel warning on the Philippines because we will abuse the travel advisory system if if, if that's a, a good way of putting pressure on the Philippines. And as you know, the Philippines has said, oh, well, do your worst. <laughs> we're, we're carrying you scare on. me. <laughs> you scare me terribly. And I'm not going to tell my mummy, even if you hit me. <laughs> um, but now, um, none of that, of course, has worked as predicted on very erudite programmes like The Morning Brew. So now Cyril is saying, well, no, 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 it wasn't me. I did, no, no, I never said that. What I'm asking for is, um, and, um, and, and also the government. Uh, what was that, Cyril? Oh, yes. What I'm asking for is apparently there. it was the way it was handled wasn't very well. Yeah. And so the government should recognise that. So now the situation is totally clear. Um, the apology was never asked for after it was asked for. Apparently the government of the Philippines didn't handle it well. Yeah. And that means that there should or shouldn't, not quite clear about that, be an apology. I mean, honestly, can we just? You, you couldn't. You couldn't handle this better. Can we just pause for a second? Yes. Nice one, Cyril. Nice one. Well, Cyril's a boy, isn't he? Right. I've, that's, <laughs> I've got that. That's it. I've got brilliant. Yes. Yes, I noticed, incidentally, that, 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 that his new and very <laughs> valuable name is catching on, which I'm pleased to see. Um, <sighs> Today was worth getting up for. It, it, honestly, you can't make this stuff up. So, um, the so Hong Kong situation with the Philippines as of the 20th of February at around 10.15, because who knows what it will be by 10.20. OK. <laughs> so we can only talk about around just after 10.15 is that Hong Kong definitely will or definitely won't be asking for an apology. It definitely will or definitely won't be um, doing other things, and it definitely is or definitely isn't very upset. I think that summarises the situation. Thank very you. Very well, very clear. <laughs> very concise, clear, Thank you. focused, well-crafted message. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely <laughs> hits the spot. So Me, where, where does that leave us now? Uh, uh, nowhere. Okay, fair play. <laughs> 
but but I mean I mean it is it is part of part of a piece because this week we also heard that the government has taken the brave the brave decision to do nothing about congestion in the Cross Harbour tunnels, as as some people will know who've been as far as over here, which is Kowloon side. Mm. I'm, I'm going to explain where that is, chaps. Easy there's, there's a little harbour in the middle, and Kowloon Quite side right is, too. Is, is the north side of that harbour. Now, there's three tunnels. One very, very expensive tunnel to the west. Posh tunnel. I came through that this morning. Well, that's because you're dead posh. Well posh. Um, there's one in the middle for, for, for common folk, yep. and that's usually congested because it's the cheapest one. And there's one to the east, near what, where, where I live, which is slightly more expensive than the one in the middle. And apparently the busier one these days, or it's getting there. It's vaguely busier than it was. But, but the, the simple fact of the matter is, and frankly, who, who would have guessed that the most expensive tunnel has the least amount of traffic. Yeah, that's good. The one in the middle, which is cheapest, has the most amount of traffic, and the one to the east, which is slightly more expensive than the one to the middle, still has a fair amount of traffic, but not as much as the one in the middle. So somebody, and they must have been candidates for at least a Nobel Prize in something or other, worked it out that if all the tunnels charged the same price, there would be a chance that, that the traffic would traffic flow would even out between them but the government has bravely decided not to do that on the grounds that uh um well anyway uh, uh but we may do it in three years time when the tunnel franchises come up for review i mean you know look boys this isn't complicated and this i need to <coughs> consult my brother-in-law whose uh, sister's dogs yeah yeah and uh does beijing approve i mean god knows i mean i presume everything is referred to beijing of course one of the problems is that and I love this word, the stakeholders in the two other tunnels, because the middle tunnel is now owned by the government, the stakeholders in the two other tunnels may not like a new scheme. Well, that's that, of course, makes me very, very desperately sad. I do understand that if you sign a contract with someone you and you, you change the terms of the contract, you have to negotiate it. But the key is in the word have to negotiate it. Yes. So that means get off your <clears throat> backsides and act now. Act I saw, now. I saw that in a government announcement of public interest, so I, I, I firmly believe in act now. Right. But um, Professor Jung, who's in charge of transport, housing and earwigs, says, no, no, can't do that because um, I'm very busy with... Uh, well, anyway, I'm very busy and shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, he's he's a fine fellow. Well, look, let's he's look, actually a very nice man. Let's <laughs> look at something that is important, which is the direction from which through for, the way you're going. Yeah. <laughs> so from here to Hong Kong side, it seems a little easier. Seems it is more logical to use the central tunnel. But I mean, I I I know for a fact that people who come from my part of the new territories, if I can be so vulgar as to mention them on the airwaves, um, who are nearer the Eastern Tunnel. I have heard people say, oh, I'm not paying that, it's extra, it costs more to go through the Eastern Tunnel. Now, they may be a bunch of cheapskates, and, um, you know, we, we can we can be thoroughly dismissive of them, but, the, you know, if they're doing that, it isn't making a logical traffic planning system. Do not, do not say the word logical. On this programme. I'm sorry. And anyway... The I won't do it again. The Monster Raving Cook Party will sort it out in your <laughs> yeah, neck of the woods. They will. <laughs> they will, honestly. Uh, anyway, so I don't think that's going anywhere. Because, you know, 
I, I, I mean, when you have a government that can't even do the simplest of things, it's hardly surprising that it can't do the more more complicated things. But uh, you know, Cyril in charge, all is going very well. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, yes. Uh, The other thing that I find is is going fantastically well, and um, we've heard a lot about this, is the the way that the government has bravely stood up to the people. A small bunch of idiots who were wandering around with colonial flags (laughs) and and, and shouting, get rid of the locusts. Now, um, this is an easy one for them, because that, those people are a bunch of idiots, to say, oh, well, you know, this is ooh, very bad, very bad. Well, all right, of course it's very bad, they're a bunch of idiots. But, you know, we're talking about a couple of dozen people. And we're talking about... Well, enough about the cops. Tell, tell <laughs> about the cops. Yes, you mustn't swear at them anymore, otherwise you might be arrested. Yes. Because, <laughs> um, uh, you know, some of them are very delicate. Um, but, I mean, the fact of the matter is... That this is not going to be sorted. There it's is, not, I'm is afraid, a very large groundswell of antagonistic attitudes towards mainlanders in Hong Kong. Now, th- this is hardly unusual. I mean, I, <clears throat> I come from London, and I've never knowingly spoken to a person from South London, because they're lower class, lower grade, and in other ways inferior. That's right. But, you know, I will cross the river, and I will talk to them if need be. I, in fact, and I, I hope no one's listening, I, <clears throat> I even have a sister who defected to South London. We don't talk to her anymore. Bellingham. It's not quite that bad. Gateway it's not South. quite that bad. It's worse. But it's anyway, you, you don't want to know about my personal trauma. Um, She's the one no one talks about. Yeah, she went absolutely. To live. Particularly yeah. not on the radio. Absolutely. But the fact of the matter is that the fear of the other I- exists in practically every society. In Hong Kong, there is another element added to this, which is simply that there has, of course, been an enormous increase in visitors from the mainland, and this is all to do with government policy because they can only come here once the government in Beijing issues permits for them to do so. So, you know, from a visitor arrival in literally in the tens of thousands, you now have visitors arrival from the mainland in the millions. And obviously this is going to make an impact. I don't Um, know. I think these ingrates in Hong Kong, I don't know what the problem is. Well, I don't know, um, because they're all, um, yeah, whatever. Act now. Act now. Yeah. But, you know, instead of trying to deal with this, what they do is they pick out, they say, oh, these demonstrators are very terrible, most people in Hong Kong are very pleased about uh, welcoming their cousins from across the border. Well, that's... Not true. I mean, that's not true. <laughs> that's a great understatement. Yeah. That's mm, not true. <laughs> yes. yes, I've been watching Yes Minister on television, it's, so I'm, it's phenomenal. I'm learning from Sir Humphrey. Yeah. Um, it's not true. And um, you, you would think that what the government would do would be at least to show a bit of backbone so that when the mainland authorities say, you know, we've got this and that plan for, for changing the permit system... You would like to feel, as somebody who lives in Hong Kong, that the people representing the SAR will go over to Beijing and say, well, you know, we have a plan of our own for this. It is the following. But at the moment, all we have is uh, people who go up to Beijing and they say, yes, sir. Yes, comrade. Yes. Various versions of the affirmative. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying yes. I said it once myself. But all the time, never 
showing to the people of Hong Kong that you are representing their interests? I mean, the fact of the matter is Hong Kong has to, of course, live with the mainland. I mean, this is a no-brainer. There will be more visitors from the mainland. So the question is, how do you organise it? How do you deal with it? And at the same time, and this is absolutely vital, preserve Hong Kong's identity. People are worried about the identity being subsumed into a bigger identity that they're not happy and comfortable with. Certainly not. You know, there's even... you, you Now, the, the new political correctness is to say, oh, you know, people here speak Cantonese, it's only a dialect, you know, that, that, that should end, everybody should be speaking Putonghua. There's many reasons why Hong Kong is different from the mainland, culturally. Language is a very important part of this. And there are many reasons why and I share the, these these aspirations of Hong Kong people, why they want a separateness, which is that, you know, the system here is, is let's not mince words about it, is better. It's freer. Well, why it's, do loads of people want to come yeah, here? Yeah, yeah, why are they coming here? Well, a lot of them are coming for shopping. Nice. And it's nice, and it's not as, um, how can I put it, not as vulgar as perhaps it is in some places across the border. Yeah. So, you know... People people visit and it, they make business here. We shouldn't complain about that. They buy up the milk powder supplies. Well, yeah, maybe we should get a bit more milk powder into the into the equation. But on well, the nobody, whole, nobody, got, way- nobody got disemboweled for buying milk powder. No, did they? no, yeah, <laughs> they did get arrested. <laughs> but so anyway, well, what I'm saying is, you there is there is an undercurrent. There is a problem, but the government's basic view is, well, you know, if the mainland authorities say it's all right, we'll we'll shut up and we, we won't address this at all. OK, just before we go for our little break, Chris writes to us on the subject you said about uh, Cyril having a lapse of memory. Oh, he did. He said he may have a bad memory, but it sounds as though he's had a sudden attack of common sense. Yeah, let's not go too far with that one. That's probably not such a bad idea. <laughs> we'll be back after the news. Still in with Steve Vines. For a Thursday morning, love to hear from you. Got a couple of your emails to read out. It's morningbrew at rthk.hk or check us out on Facebook. I've got one here from Richard and this needs some scary music. Hang on. It says, taking over by people movement. It's happening in Tibet. It's happening here. There you go, just play some DSA well, for you. Well, I tell you, I mean, uh, of course, the, the, the big difference with Tibet is that the, the Tibetans aren't Han people. They are... Uh, it'd be very hard to say that Tibetan culture was, was, was part of Chinese culture. It's, it's close to, but it's a very distinctive place. And, of course, Tibetans don't regard themselves as being Chinese. But it is the same theme, isn't it, of, of people here worried about being flooded and subsumed by people from the mainland. And, I mean, there's a lot of emotive language, which I don't like. I don't like this use of the word locus. I don't like the use of various other emotive language. But it is understandable, because it is consistently the policy of the government in Beijing, is if you've got a place that's different from elsewhere in the mainland, what you do is you, 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 you flood people into it. So, for example, in Xinjiang, uh, where, again, the people are really not by any stretch of imagination, Han Chinese, you you now have a population that apparently, it's very hard to get really good figures on this, but apparently is now um, at least a majority of Han mm-hmm. who, who, who've been moved into the area to, to change the character of Xinjiang. 
um, we've all seen what the result has been. I mean, you know, the rioting, the bloodshed and various other things that have gone on there. Now, fortunately, none of this has happened in Hong Kong. And Hong Kong, of course, is a Han Chinese city. I mean, there's no two ways about that. But it's a city with different traditions. It's a city with a very distinctive culture. And it's a city that prides itself on having the liberties that don't exist well, that's over in the mainland. And these are not small things. You may not approve, and I'm sure a lot of people don't approve, of just gratuitous uh, yobbery or, 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 or swearing and blah, blah, blah. No. They, they were actually yelling, go to hell. But the point is, they didn't get lifted for it, for that. You no. know, you don't end up in a in the big room for, no, for and, saying and, go and, to hell and, to somebody. Incidentally, I mean, what... what um, hasn't been stressed enough is that that um, the demonstration we're talking about, which I have to emphasise, really didn't involve a lot of people. But this demonstration was now met with this new group of people called the Loving Hong Kong. Voice of. Voice of Loving Hong Kong. Lovely people. And they seem to go around with the intention of going to demonstrations and stirring things up. Well, who are they really? Then? I wonder... Well, I was going to say, I wonder what their motives are. I wonder who pays them to be there, who encourages them to be there. Why is it that you can't find out more about this group? I mean, we know all about the people who organised the demonstration, uh, the original demonstration, and uh, we also know that, that some of them have rather incoherent arguments. But we don't know, because they are very mysterious about themselves who these loving Hong Kong people are who well, like we, to we, go we to demonstrations we shouldn't say should well we? no no but I mean but they won't say themselves is my point yeah you know um so if you have an organization that seems to have as its sole purpose going to other people's demonstrations and stirring up trouble why hasn't the chief executive Cyril my friend called for investigation I mean Cyril didn't didn't hesitate to call for an investigation into the presence of that teacher Alphys Wong if you remember um who apparently did or didn't swear at a policeman she didn't she didn't I don't know I wasn't there um but the fact of the matter is he was very quick to call for an investigation oh, into wrong, that Cyril. but <laughs> but nothing. But I'm just going to say. But but you know his 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 enthusiasm for investigations and reports seems to um, diminish very quickly when it comes to the loving Hong Kong people, whose only purpose is to go to demonstrations. They do pop up. They do pop up. Yes, and and they and they proudly say, yeah. And if there's another demonstration, we'll make sure we're going there because we want a peaceful Hong Kong. And then and I'm going to uh, smash you in the face if you're not peaceful. And then there was the youth care lot that always go around duffing up Falun. Well, you know, verbally. Yes, I know. So, are they, um, they are they related? I I have really no idea. I've, I've there's a, a theme here. There seems to be a bit of a thread. Mm. Uh, anyway, I've got a text here from Andy who says in Guangdong there are signs saying "Speak Putonghua, the civilized language." Yes, quite. Is that true? Um, oh yes, yes. I've seen them. Yeah. Um, I, I I think one of the um, great failures of of, of Chinese policy of getting the whole nation to speak one uh, to speak Putonghua is that it it works in some ways in the sense that all schools teach it and most uh, people in, in in Guangdong province particularly under the age of say 40 will be proficient in in Putonghua but the language of daily life isn't it remains as Cantonese, and it annoys the hell out of them. Why yeah. does it annoy the hell out of them? It's identity. It's because... No, and it's also to do with dictatorships. Dictatorships hate difference. They love uniformity. You remember the old Soviet Union's great um, 
passion was to make sure that everybody in the Soviet Union, that included Ukrainians, Lithuanians, Latvians, etc., etc., who all had their own languages, spoke Russian. And it kind of worked. It did work. I mean, all of those people were forced to learn Russian, and, and the official language of all of those countries, which are now independent and now speak their own language, was Russian. But it was all to do with... If, we're, if you run a dictatorship, you cannot tolerate individualism, you cannot yeah. tolerate difference. There's an almost paranoid insistence that everybody follows the party line, follows the leader. Know. If the leader is speaking Putin, well, that's what you speak. So, you know, this is extraordinary. And you, you know, there was, um, before the Chinese Republic was, was formed, there was a quite active discussion with, with um, Sun Yat-sen and his colleagues in the Guomindang in those days as to what would be the national language of, of, of China and Cantonese lost by a very small vote You've got me thinking here Steve, all I can say is thank God the Welsh haven't got any aspirations to take over the world that... Are we, We're not going to talk about the Welsh on air are we? You bet we're not <laughs> Brett says the problem with mainlanders is that they remind us of ourselves we are after all at most one or two generations removed from having come down from the mainland ourselves, and we really don't appreciate being reminded of our roots. Bit of sarcasm. There in is oh, a bit of sarcasm. Was, that was in sarcasm, was it? Gosh, I actually thought there was something in that. <laughs> well, you know, that's that again. It's not just unique to this part of the it, world. It really isn't. It really isn't. I mean, you 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 know, um, large large states have uneven development. Gosh, what a revelation that is. Yeah, absolutely. And anyway, a question for you. I saw a video of this... this it was like a sort of gang show the other day, down there in Central, big road in between, yeah. one bloke and da 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 Seriously, though, I just can't help feeling that that little incident could be the root of a stream here. The source of a stream here. Well... The fact of the matter is, we ain't heard the end of that story. That That's for absolutely sure. And this really does come to the question of leadership. There are ways of making that story not have a terrible ending. Yeah. I think with our administration being what it is, they seem almost determined to, to, to you know, to make a, a, a crisis into a tragedy, which is... Yes, no small talent to be able to do that consistently. All right, what else is on your agenda today? Well, I, I was thinking about, um, and um, listeners will have to uh, um, tolerate a small bit of self-indulgence here, I was thinking about the, the plans this weekend that the Journalists Association has for a, a demonstration to protect press freedom. And goodness me, lots of things have been going on that raise questions about press freedom. But... What is really curious about it is is that the, the police suddenly have withdrawn permission for the demonstration to go to the chief executive's office. Now, it doesn't seem particularly controversial to me that a demonstration asking the chief executive to do something should go to his office. So what's that all about? Exactly. Um, yeah, I, that's a bit of a misfire. That is uh, um, very strange. Um, um, yesterday we had Anson Chan saying, well, you know, if... Um, the government can call for inquiries into all sorts of things. Why on earth has it not called into uh, called for an inquiry into the um, sacking at commercial radio when commercial hmm. radio is is governed under public license? I mean, if um, you know, if Alpha Swang, who's a teacher in in a government school, can be investigated, why can't a radio station? Now, I know that is 
raises some tricky issues. Yeah, I don't like think... could they? It's you know you hire and fire, don't you? That's the way of the world. Yeah, I'm not I'm not too worried about the fact that that that, that happens, but I am of course worried about the fact that 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 there's a pattern here, an outspoken um, uh, radio personality is fired. The editor of a newspaper is Mingbao is 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 removed. Um, you've got a train of incidents here that don't suggest to me anything good. Now it, it, it's quite interesting. I, I I saw somebody writing. Oh well, you know, if if Li Shan, this is the the commercial radio woman, um, has been so deprived of her press freedom, why is she still still speaking? as though somehow she shouldn't be. I mean, the whole problem with the diminution of press freedom is that it never happens overnight. It doesn't happen with one um, cathartic burst of energy. The way it happens is it's whittled away. You know, a chip here, a person removed there, a newspaper told to do this. And then you wake up one morning and you think, oh, my God. It's gone. It don't exist anymore. So, you know, all those idiots who are jumping up and down, I can think of one in particular, saying, oh, well, because they're still speaking, press freedom is all right. They really don't get it. There's a whole history of how you bring the press under control, bring the media, I should say, under control. And it involves death by a thousand cuts, not death by a major hemorrhage. Yeah, you're quite right. But I've got a side question on this issue. Why hasn't she stood up and really in detail spilt the beans? I mean, she, well, has, I she, she has, has actually. She has said some stuff, quite well, rightly, too. I mean, the too. point is... Um, but, you know, nothing gained and nothing lost, etc. But I think, you know, in her case, of course, she can't know what the process at commercial radio was that led to her removal. But what she said is that, that, that to the best of her knowledge, she is the person most hated by Cyril on the airwaves, and he's conveyed this downwards. And voila, and it was denied, by the way. That's and, where it gets and tricky. They, they deny it. So, I mean, you know, she's, she's, she's said what she thinks is her version of the story. Um, but, I mean, my view is you don't... The, the, the detail, in a sense, <coughs> is less important than the obvious facts because the detail is a question of some controversy. What is known is two things, and these are undeniable. A, she is a very popular broadcaster and, and added to commercial radio audience. B, she is a very well-known anti-government critic or whatever you want to call it. These two things are in the public domain and known. <laughs> Whether they led to her dismissal is, of course, not certain. But, you know, uh, um, thinking people would say, why would you sack one of your most... Yep, listeners. Uh, uh, your most popular presenters. Why would you do that? Especially uh, when you function on advertising. Across in other countries, yeah. the only reason I've known when, when, when morning show guys have been let go is if they've, you know, done something really bad or their listenership goes down. Yeah. And what it said to me was Station X doesn't give a hoot about its listeners. That's yeah. to any, any programme director but would it, say but, this. But, but, and then, you know, you have this, and this is where things get very murky indeed, is or would be a condition for commercial radio uh, managing to secure another licence be that certain people are taken off the air. Now, we don't have any hard factual information about this, no. but we have a lot of suspicion about that. And, you know, as long as you you have a government that behaves as though it doesn't like criticism, won't tolerate criticism, that speculation becomes more and more credible. That's why it's very worrying. It certainly is. I mean, you could say... You could say that it shows an abject 
lack of understanding from within about the business itself. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's bad on another level. But if but, it's you true. Know, but but you know, if you if you were if you accept her version of of um, commercial radio's um, logic. Their logic is, in fact, logical in the sense that they think that if she doesn't go, they won't get the licence. So they're prepared to lose listeners and they're prepared to uh, um, tolerate a bit of criticism, but they desperately need to be on air. And the only way they can be on air is to get a licence from the government. And if they really believe that the only way to do that is by making the station less critical of the government... I mean, this is very, very bad... But if that's what they believe, there is a commercial logic to what they're doing. Not a good logic, but there's a logic. <laughs>